What's up, everyone? We're back. Knuckleheads MMA podcast for UFC 245. Kamaru Usman versus Colby Covington. I'm Tim. I'm here again with Lee. We're talking fucking Lee. Hey, everybody. This is a very big event. Uh, I'm very excited. Yeah, super excited about this card. I mean, it's hard not to be excited for a main card that has three title fights. And all three title yeah. fights are fantastic fights. And the main card's excellent. There's a chance this could be one of the greatest uh, fights of all time in the main event. I, I agree. And we'll definitely get into that. Uh, so, yeah, but first, uh, let's talk about what we learned from UFC DC. All right, Lee, what did you learn from UFC DC? Well, what I learned from UFC DC first is that Jarzino Rosenstrike has power, but in my opinion, has to show a bit more before he gets what supposedly could be his next fight and what is the next fight that he's asking for against Francis Ngannou. I just think he's got to show a little bit more because as anybody who knows who watched the Overeem fight uh, realizes is that, you know, Overeem was winning that fight. He was a few seconds away from from uh, actually completing that victory. And yes, give Jarzino credit, uh, big power, and he showed he had it through basically five rounds, but I'd like to see him show a little bit more. Unfortunately, I think the fight with Ngano is going to happen next. When I say unfortunately, it's just because I don't think it should, but it'll be a, a great fight to look forward to because who else is he gonna fight? And Ngano's been waiting for a big fight. But I just would like to see him more. I don't think he's quite ready yet. That's the first thing that I learned. Yeah, that was really not a great fight until the knockout. Uh, but what I learned in UFC DC and also about Jarzino Rosenstruck is that he has a cut man in his corner, but he also needs a crack man because nobody could pull up his shorts apparently in between rounds and he had his crack hanging out for at least three of the five rounds yes so yeah i I think he should have had a point deducted for each round that his crack was hanging out but (laughs) that's just me yeah well what i also learned is that dan mergliata tan dan mergliata he had a pretty bad night um first of all the handling of shrew's nut shots uh which was painful to watch was very very weird especially the part where dan decided that he's going to give Struve his opinion about the fact that, you know, hey, I think you're ahead in the cards, you know, but it was just really, really strange. Um, but, and this is up for debate, but I think stopping the Overeem fight when he did was actually bad. Yes, Overeem was hurt, but I think a referee has to know a couple things. What's on the line, right? So you have to know where they're at in the fight. He has to, he heard the 10 second warning. He knew the seconds were ticking down. Even though he doesn't want to share with the fighters that he's aware that Overeem's ahead, you had to know that Overeem's ahead. And I think it matters because if a situation comes up where Overeem gets rocked with seconds left in the fight, if the referee knows, hey, that guy's ahead, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Plus, what is going to happen in the next two or three seconds? He's not going to get hurt anymore. I I think Dan needed to be aware of that. And I think the stoppage uh, should not have happened. Okay. And the last thing that I learned is Stefan Struve can take two hard shots to the cup, but he still can't take one to the chin. 
Oh, man, that's tough. <laughs> and that is what we learned at UFC DC. All right. So with that, uh, let's move into some news. Yeah, so we got, you know, some news here, and, and we haven't had a show here in a little bit, but there's a couple of things that we wanted to talk about. One is a fight that's definitely signed, and the other is a fight that keeps getting mentioned and I think will be signed. But first, let's talk about Conor McGregor versus Donald Cowboy Cerrone taking place at 155, I'm sorry, 170 pounds, I think there are some people like myself who would have liked to see it at 155, but it's taking place at 170. Now, Connor versus Cowboy. First of all, Tim, are you surprised that this was the fight that ended up being Connor's comeback fight? No, I think it's a I think it's a good fit for what it seemed like him and his camp were going for. They didn't want to fight one of the top people uh, because Connor hasn't really been very active. His last win was way back against Eddie Alvarez. Mm-hmm. So they, they want to set him up for a fight that they think he can win. I'm not sure that he can win this fight, but he definitely has a shot at winning this fight. Yeah, and, and that leads into my strong thoughts about this fight. You know, I, I, I've listened to a lot of people and what they have to say about it, and a lot of opinions go with the fact that, yes, Connor is an elite striker and Cowboy will engage in striking. And that is somebody who... With Cowboy being a little bit older, you can make the case that he's on, you know, more the downside of his career. Some people are saying that, hey, this is a guy that's sort of custom made for Conor McGregor. Man, I got to tell you something right now. If you if you ask me to pick this fight right now, I'm picking Donald Cerrone. He is severely underrated, or at least his ground game is forgotten about when it comes to discussion about, uh, you know, Conor McGregor. Now, you know, Cowboy may not watch a lot of film he openly admits that he just trains and he fights he doesn't watch a lot of film at all on his opponents but everyone knows that Connor's weakness is on the ground and I just think that Cowboy Cerrone is being severely overlooked not just because of the threat that he is on the ground but also his stand-up is no joke okay I mean you know Connor is precise and has power but man you know Cowboy Cerrone may not have quite the power and timing that um, or, you know, that, that, that Conor McGregor has, but he is no slouch when it comes to striking. And, and, and I actually think Cowboy is going to win this fight as of this moment. How do you feel? Your point about his grappling advantage is valid. Uh, Cowboy is very good off of his back. He's also very good. He has like a running double leg takedown. He likes to shoot at people. And if he, if he chooses, which is my key point, if he chooses to do that, he will have success with it against Conor McGregor. Yes. I don't think he will, though. Or at least I think there's at least a good chance that he won't. I agree that he should grapple. I just see him wanting to stand with him. I, I see him wanting to take out Connor on the feet. And I think that's how the fight's going to happen. And then as far as striking goes, I think Connor throws with more accuracy. And I, and mm-hmm. I, I don't think we've ever seen Connor be hurt before. Like, not in a serious way. Maybe a little bit against uh, uh, Nate Diaz, and then that one shot that uh, could be landed overhand, right? But he's pretty durable, and we've seen Cowboy get hurt and then kind of fade away. And it's very plausible that Conor McGregor could hurt Donald Cerrone in this fight. Uh, yeah, I think it's a good matchup, though, and it's a very interesting matchup. It's a star power matchup. It's, it's like a fight that my wife will pay attention to. Absolutely. I can't wait. Final thought 
on that fight, based on what you just said, uh, we don't know where Conor McGregor is going to be at stamina-wise. But what we do know is when he was active and fighting consistently, he still would sometimes fade into later rounds. Yes. If that happens, there's a chance that Don Cerrone can catch him late uh, striking. So, you know, catch him with a shot, catch him with, with a kick. Anything could happen. Can't wait for this matchup. But let's move on to the second fight. And I say fight in quotes because it's not official yet, but it seems to be trending towards this. Wanted to get your thoughts about what is rumored to be the next fight for Jorge Masvidal. And that's another Diaz brother. That's Nick Diaz. And both seem to want to do this fight. I question what it does for Jorge Masvidal. I get the whole BMF thing. Uh, I got to fight Nick if I fought Nick. I get it. But it's a risky fight, in my opinion, for Jorge Masvidal. It is. What do you think? Uh, it is risky because it doesn't look good if Nick Diaz comes off the street and beats him. And Yes. For anybody that's been watching long enough and really like followed Diaz's career, he is completely capable of uh, doing that. Do I think he's going to? I don't know, because I don't really expect him to come back in and look the same as he used to. Uh, he'll be in at least decent shape, but I don't I don't expect him to be in regular Nick Diaz shape. I just don't think he's been training hard enough. He's a lot older than the last time we saw him, and his last performance wasn't that encouraging. It was that weird fight with Anderson Silva where he really was just messing around the whole time, so was Silva. But it's, it's definitely a dangerous fight for Masvidal. But it's one I think he probably will win. Uh, and I think it's cool that he said he would be honored to fight Nick Diaz, though, because he probably came up watching the same fights that I did. And, like, Nick Diaz is mm-hmm. one of the best. Yeah, I, and to end that, you know, uh, part of the discussion, I, I do think it's cool. Um, I, and I like that, you know, he's focused more on this BMF, side of things when it comes to fighting, you know, wanting to fight a bad boy like Nick Diaz. Um, but it's risky. And I do agree with you that Jorge's most definitely going to be the favorite um, and may even finish Nick Diaz. Even if Nick comes in in classic Nick Diaz shape, I think he's going to get picked apart. So we'll see what happens. The fight's not official yet, but, uh, you know, my guess is the UFC's all in if they can get the negotiation done with Nick which can be difficult <laughs> right. with uh, the Diaz brothers sometimes, but we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, let's move on right to the main card for UFC 245. Uh, let's break it, down. break it down. The first fight is Peter Yan versus Uriah Faber. Uh, Yan is a huge favorite at minus 500 right now. I think, uh, I think that's too much of a favorite, and I... We'll get to it later, but I think that Nunez should be the highest favorite, and that Uriah Faber should be given a little bit more of a chance here. On paper, this fight strongly favors Peter Yan, so that's probably part of where these odds are coming from. Yan greatly outstrikes Faber, and he can match him, if not beat him in wrestling. Uh, But I do think that Peter Yan is a little bit maybe overhyped by people. Uh, he hasn't impressed me as much as, like, the general fan. I don't think his fight against Jimmy Rivera uh, was that impressive. He only landed 56 strikes and landed one takedown in that fight that went the distance. Uh, however, when Faber fought Jimmy Rivera back in 2016, Faber only landed 22 strikes and no takedowns. So maybe 
that says something about Rivera's uh, defense. But there's really nothing in this, uh, in the numbers or in this fight that tells me that Faber should be favored to win here. Yanis faced uh, the really the top people in the division so far. I don't think it's a huge step up to fight Uriah Faber. I think it might even be a bigger step up for Faber, who is now like older, not very active, and he's coming in against Yan, who is uh, he's kind of like a young, well-rounded uh, new breed. So, I mean, I I think you kind of have to pick Peter Yan in this fight. How do you see it? Yeah, look, if Uriah Faber wins this fight, which would be his second fight since his uh, retirement, um, then you got to give him a title shot. You have to give him a title shot next. I don't care who's in line because it's Uriah Faber and you know you don't have don't have that much time left. That said, it's not happening. Um, <laughs> Yan is much better than Ricky Simone. Uh, you know, yes, you could look at it and say Yan statistically gets hit a tad more. But, you know, he's the more active and accurate striker. He's 14 years younger than Uriah. And I, I just don't I, I don't see a scenario where Uriah connects on Yan. Um, you know, if you want to talk about the ground game, Yan's takedown defense uh, is at 85%, and Uriah only hits 31% of his takedowns, if he were to even go that route. Um, yeah. I, I just really don't see a legitimate reason to pick Uriah Faber here. Uh, there's no shame in that. He's an old man when it comes to fighting, but uh, he's facing a younger, better fighter. So I'm going to pick Yan by a very, very clear decision. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I'll say about that is I did kind of predict the Ricky Simone fight the same way where I gave Faber no chance. And mm-hmm. of course, we all we all know what happened there. Yeah. But I don't, I, don't, I don't see it happening again, kind of like you touched on. Uh, all right. So we'll move on to the second fight which is uh, one that I'm pretty excited about. I'm sure you are too, Lee. It's uh, Marlon Moraes versus Jose Aldo. Moraes right now is a minus 190 favorite. Uh, One of the greatest of all time, Jose Aldo, coming down to bantamweight to take on Marlon Moraes. Aldo, who has somewhat famously struggled with cutting down to 145, is now cutting down 10 more pounds. Insane. Crazy. Uh, how do you feel about that, Lee? And how do you see this fight? I'm literally, I, I was shaking my head when I was typing out my research and I'm shaking my head now. It, it, um, it is absolute insanity. Absolute insanity that uh, Aldo is cutting down to 135. Uh, there's been some pictures of him that have been circulating around. And mm-hmm. um, there's word out that, you know, he's been on this health kick and great if he has been. But some of those pictures don't look good, man. He, he literally, in some of those pictures, looks like Baby Yoda. Um, <laughs> I don't get it. And, and I'm certainly not an expert on cutting weight. Um, but it's going to be fascinating. Fascinating to see what, what Aldo um, not only looks like, but it's one thing to cut the weight. But, you know, then it's like, what kind of energy is going to... He's facing a killer. This is yeah. a, a killer in Marias. This isn't just let me test myself at 135 against the number 14 ranked guy. This is a great fighter he's facing. Um, so I don't understand why he's doing this because even if he fights a good fight, can he keep cutting down a 135? I mean, it's, it's just pure insanity. As for this fight uh, itself, um, you know, I, look, I, this is a tough fight, and and Marias yeah. should be should be the favorite. Um, 
Yes, Marias is coming off a really tough loss to Henry Cejudo at UFC 238. But as I just said, he's a killer. Aldo's coming off a loss to Alexander Volkanovsky, who we're going to see fight on this card against Max Holloway. Um, you know, they both land about three and a half significant strikes per minute. Um, Aldo statistically is more accurate, of course, again, at a heavier weight. Um, they both absorb... Uh, you know, over three uh, strikes per minute. Marias absorbs a bit more. But again, like, I, I still think he's going to be the quicker, more accurate fighter. Um, and, you know, because it's such a wild card with how Aldo's going to be here after a weight cut. Um, I think it's going to be a stand-up fight. And uh, I just think Marias is going to be too much for Aldo. Uh, I think there's going to be a late stoppage via strikes. Marlon Marias will win this fight. Yeah. Uh, I think this is a fight that we're supposed to feel that way, because uh, Aldo's three and three since his knockout to Conor McGregor, but I feel like everybody kind of doubted Jose Aldo just because of the Conor McGregor knockout. Like really, ever since that fight happened, it's always been though Aldo's done or he was overrated. Some people even say, uh, but he's really only lost to the best even since then. He's lost twice to Max Holloway. And once to Alexander Volkanovsky, who we're going to talk about later, uh, those are not those are not losses he needs to feel bad about, or we should think that maybe Aldo's done. Agreed. Yeah. But there was a course at one forty-five. Mm-hmm. Now the real the real tricky thing, uh, Marais being a great fighter aside, I think the real uh, wild card in this fight is the weight cut. That's what worries me, because if there was no weight cut, I think I would be heavily on Aldo in this fight. Uh, I'm worried that he won't be able to take a shot like he normally can. Jose Aldo, again, the Conor McGregor knockout aside, has shown a lot of durability in his career. He's still not that old yet. He's only 33. Uh, But what is this weight cut going to do to his ability to take a shot? I kind of lean on the fact that maybe he's heavier. He's the bigger guy now that he's... uh, cutting down so far because he was already kind of big for 145. Mm-hmm. I mean, Josie has knocked out Jeremy Stevens. He's knocked out uh, Hanato Mokano, and he landed 80 strikes in his fight against Rinky Edgar. Those are great performances against uh, very reputable fighters. Uh, and two fights that went to distance in, in uh, Marais's UFC career, he only landed 45 strikes in each. That don't impress me. Uh, I think as long as Josie Aldo is not on death's door in this fight, I think he has the advantage here. I think wow. what I think what Marais does well, Jose Aldo at his best does better. Uh, the real question is, is he going to be at his best? But if this was a 145 fight, I would take Aldo all day. I'm going to uh, hesitantly take him at 135. Yeah, I just think that, as we both agree, the wild card factor is the weight, right? And to me, it's just such a wild card that when you combine that with the caliber of opponent he's facing uh, in Marias at the weight division that Marias is uh, at home with, I you know, I, until I see it, I just can't believe that Aldo is going to be the, the Aldo that we're used to. Um, even later in his career. So we'll see what happens, but that's part of what makes this fight so intriguing. Yeah. Uh, a fight that's not as intriguing is next on deck. 
It is Jermaine Durandamy versus Amanda Nunez. Uh, Nunez is a minus 335 favorite. I uh, alluded to earlier that I think that Nunez should be the minus 500 favorite instead of uh, instead of Peter Yan. But Nunez at 335 right now. Uh, this is a rematch of a 2013 bout that didn't make it out of the first round. Uh, Amanda Nunez won by stoppage. And I expect more of the same in this one. Uh, Nunez has 11 wins in the UFC, and out of those, the only person she hasn't finished is Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, Durandamine is a great striker, and she does deserve this title shot, but I don't see any reason that she should win this fight. She does not strike at a high volume. Uh, I don't see her being able to hurt Amanda Nunez, who really hasn't been hurt by anybody. Durandamine has done nothing that tells me that she can handle Nunez any better than she did in 2013. Even with her recent wins, there's nothing really there that tells me that she's ready for Nunez, who also is like way better than she was in 2013. If you look at what she just did to Chris Cyborg, I think it's a, a pretty good sign that she should be able to win this fight. And I pick Amanda Nunez all day. Well, well, well. Um, first of all, <laughs> Amanda Nunez is hand is hands down uh, the greatest female mixed martial artist of all time, and that means she is one of the greatest mixed martial artists, regardless of sex, of all time. Yeah. That said, um, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to pick what would be a major upset. And <laughs> and 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 listen, I get it. And you're absolutely right. Amanda Nunez, huge argument that she should be the biggest favorite. But I just have a weird feeling. I got a feeling. It's based mostly on my gut. But there's a few things here to mention. Originally, Nunez wanted this fight to be at uh, 145. And Jermaine said no. I don't know why she had the power to say no. And they said, okay, we'll do 135. I'm not sure. But they wanted... Uh, Nunez to fight at um, 145. I think maybe Jermaine thought that, you know, if she made her cut down to 135, that might be to her advantage. But again, I don't understand why she would have that power over the champion to dictate that. Whatever. Here's why I'm picking a huge upset. Um, Because they're both great strikers. But Amanda tends to get a little bit wilder and more impatient when she strikes. Uh, her power is unparalleled, obviously, at 135 and, and clearly at 145, the way she took out uh, Cyborg. Jermaine is more calculated, and I'm picking an upset envisioning Jermaine catching uh, Amanda with a flash kick, uh, strike, and catching her and, 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 and putting her away. Uh, it could be luck, but I've just got this gut feeling and I'm just going to go out on a limb and and say that she's going to catch her. Um, not going to get in deep into stats. It's solely based on a hunch. There's a million reasons to pick Nunez, which you did. I would never blame you for doing so. Um, but technically, GDR technically is the better striker and I think she's just going to catch Amanda with an opening and win the 135 pound title. And uh, then we'll talk about in our next podcast, how I was completely wrong. <laughs> well, I love that you picked her. I, I like uh, wild picks every now and then. Yeah. And I like uh, when we're on different sides of it. All right. We'll go into uh, the co-main event. Uh, another a huge fight. Some of these fights are just so crazy. 
Uh, it's Max Holloway versus Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh, Holloway is a minus 167 favorite. This is a huge fight in the featherweight division. Uh, Volkanovsky, a very interesting fighter. And one of the only people really that might be able to match Max Holloway's output. Uh, how do you see this fight going, Lee? Man, I love these kinds of cards where like a great fight like this is the co-main event. It just gets you so pumped up. Um, this is such a great fight. And in layman's terms, Max is tall. Alexander's really short. <laughs> you know, it's like Max is 5'11". Someday he'll probably fill himself out. He says he wants to fight at 185. Uh, Volkanovski, what's what's really crazy is he was a rugby player. And I think at one point was walking around at about 200 pounds. Uh, so really crazy stories there. Here's a crazier thing. Even though Max is five inches taller, Volkanovski has a two-inch reach advantage. And, you know... That that is just insanity. I don't know if that that helps Volkanovski, <laughs> but you know it, it certainly can't hurt. Um, but when we talk about reach, Max is so great at it. He's so great at using his length. And when you're fighting a guy like Volkanovski, who is shorter, you know, basically in my opinion, Vol- Volkanovski is going to have to really bulldog Max and get inside to do damage. Otherwise, he's going to get picked off on the outside. I mean, they're both. Active strikers, Max is close to seven significant strikes per minute. Alexander lands closer to six, but, um, you know, Alexander is statistically more accurate, 60 to 45%. And yeah, Max technically gets hit more, but again, I think that Volkanovski is going to have to really get inside in order to land on, on Holloway. And of course, if he does, Max could be in trouble. Um, you know, I know that, uh, Volkanovski decision Aldo and finish Mendez, but you can say that both were, you know, on the downside. And we already talked about Aldo, even even though he's still chugging along. Um, Holloway just has a, a better strength of schedule, right? You know, he's just been on the he's been on this stage so many times. And I Alexander seems like a smooth cat. I don't expect him to be intimidated by the stage, but I do think that experience counts. Um, you know, I'm interested to hear what you have to say if, if the fight does go to the ground. Uh, you know, Volkanovski certainly does go for takedowns more than Max. He's not great at it. Lands only 38% of his takedowns. Uh, Holloway statistically has, you know, defends them well. So, but at the end of the day, what I really think will happen is that Max will do what Max does, which is pick off a guy. Uh, keep on the outside, not put himself in too much danger, but he will engage and show off that crisp striking ability that's so much more improved than when we saw him fight, for example, Conor McGregor. So I see Holloway a puzzle that Alexander can't figure out, and uh, I think that Volkanovski's 17-fight win streak will end, and Holloway will win a a pretty decisive decision. What do you think? Max Holloway, uh, strikes per minute rate is... It's just the craziest, 6.78 strikes per minute. I know I know you already yeah. touched on uh, what they land, but I just want to put that out there because that's like you're not going to see too many people that land that high. And he's landed mm-hmm. so many strikes uh, in a fight, more than like anybody else I can think of. He's landed 290 strikes in four rounds one time. Like there's nobody that really mm-hmm. touches that. Yeah. And then Volkanovski, to whose credit, is over six per minute, too. Uh, what makes it more interesting is Volkanovski's takedowns. The only thing about that is Holloway has shown not only great takedown defense in the first 
uh, part of it, uh, defending at 83%. But when he does get taken down, uh, he has shown good ability to get back up. Uh, mm-hmm. In his last fight, Volkanovski was unsuccessful on three takedown attempts versus Jose Aldo. And Aldo has a similar takedown rate to Holloway's. So if you want to read into that, that's there. Uh, Volkanovski was able to win that fight without the takedowns, but Holloway strikes at a so much higher rate than Jose Aldo does. I don't know if uh, Volkanovski can depend on striking volume. I mean, I really don't think he can depend on striking volume to win this fight. Uh, he may be able to stop Max. Uh, Max Holloway has shown great durability besides the fight with Dustin Poirier where he went up a weight. Uh, Volkanovski is a strong guy, so it's, it remains to be seen if maybe he can make Holloway feel his punches the same way. Uh, if I have to guess on that, I would say probably not. Mm-hmm. If Max can successfully defend the takedowns or enough of them, Holloway's bar for a strike slant that is just too high for Volkanovski to reach. In seven UFC fights, he's only landed 100 strikes once. Holloway has exceeded 100 strikes nine times. Six of those were only in three rounds. In the, in the Brian Ortega fight, he landed 290 strikes in four rounds. Uh, speaking of three rounds, though, Volkanovski has not gone uh, a five-round fight in the UFC. Uh, this will be his first time, if the fight goes the distance, going that deep. So does he have the gas tank to keep up a 6.11 strikes per minute rate over five rounds? Because we know Max Holloway does. Mm-hmm. So I feel like because of that, and because of Holloway's takedown defense, I, I have to pick him in this fight. Hey, I have one stat I want to throw out there when it comes to the takedowns. Right. Uh, I, f- I found this to be really interesting. So the most takedowns landed against Holloway in a fight has been four. Four takedowns, and both came in 2013. Yeah. One opponent was... One opponent was Dennis Bermudez. You know who the other one was? No. Conor McGregor. <laughs> Conor McGregor landed four or five takedowns in a decision, uh, you know, win against Max, which, of course, Max would like to have. I just found that to be really interesting, especially because yeah. I just ripped on Conor McGregor's ground game. But very interesting. I, I have to go back and watch that fight again. I don't know why he would have taken him down four times. but Did he lose the other fight where he gave up a lot of takedowns? Who was it? Oh, yeah, it was uh, Dennis Bermudez. Who, oh, he lost. Yeah. So he lost. Oh, wow. He lost against Dennis Bermudez, too. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't believe that Volkanovski can get that many takedowns in order to win the fight, though. Uh, both of those fights, like you said, were in 2013. I think Holloway's a lot better now. Oh, so much better. So much better. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that brings us to the main event. It's Kamara Usman versus Colby Covington. Uh... And Usman right now is a minus 182 favorite. And like I said at the top of the show, this, I believe, has the chance to be one of the greatest fights we'll watch. Uh, I don't know how many people agree with that, but I I feel really strongly about that. I'm very, very, very excited for this fight. I, uh, I, I, I so agree with you. And I don't think a lot of people would agree with you and, and myself because they're going, ah, two wrestlers are just going to lay around. 
But I totally agree with you. And obviously we'll talk about why we think this is you know, going to be so great. Right. I hope they wrestle their asses off in this fight. Yeah. Uh, it is so hard to pick between these two guys. They have a very similar style, uh, very similar backgrounds. They actually have the same record. Uh, they've both dominated opponents with high amounts of striking mixed with a crazy amount of takedowns. Yep. We've seen both of them take their opponents down 12 times in one fight. I think uh, I think Covington relies on the extreme amount of takedowns a little bit heavier than Usman. I think Usman has the advantage on the feet, and so sometimes he doesn't have to take someone down eight times every fight. Uh, Covington's performance over Robbie Lawler was one of the best I've ever seen in terms of like mm-hmm. uh, just a fight performance. I was basically in awe of it. Uh, 179 strikes landed over five rounds against Robbie Lawler. That's saying something. And 10 takedowns. Uh, his endurance was unstoppable and it was just shocking how he wouldn't get tired in that fight. Uh, Kamara Usman though has not been taken down in the UFC. Uh, I'm not completely sold on his opponents. Well, definitely not the same competition that Colby Covington's going to give him in terms of stopping takedowns, but I don't think he's been tested enough to say, Hey, Covington's going to have a hard time getting to the ground. Covington averages almost six takedowns per fight. I think he will be able to get at, uh, at least like two or three takedowns over five rounds. Mm-hmm. Covington was taken down twice by Dong Hyung Kim uh, back in 2017, but those are the only takedowns he has given up in his UFC career. He also has great takedown defense. But we do have to say that that opens the possibility that maybe Usman can take Covington down. Uh, and if the fight goes to the ground, I, I don't really expect either of them to be able to find a submission. Uh, Covington has a lot more submission wins than Usman does, but I don't see him submitting Kamaru Usman in this fight. I think this fight is going to distance one way or the other. I hope. That it's a fast-paced, competitive fight. I'd really like to see a lot of wrestling exchanges between these two. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm happy that it's in Las Vegas because I think the crowd will appreciate it more than they will maybe at other places. Uh, This is extremely hard to pick between these two guys. And if they were fighting, if either one was fighting like anybody else on this card, I would would basically uh, pick them if they had a different opponent here. Uh, but to make a pick here, I think that Colby is able to get Usman down here. And I think we see that when Usman is pressed, uh, on the level that Colby is able to press somebody like Usman does to other people, that maybe Colby has the better cardio between the two of them. I think he, uh, wears him down, down the stretch. Uh, and I think, uh, Covington's going to win a decision here. Well, I, I, like I said uh, moments ago, I'm as ex- excited for this fight as you are. And, you know, this is one of those fights. You know how sometimes we say when we preview fights, like if you have people who are casual fans, don't show them this fight because, you know, it could be two wrestlers. I, I, I think if you know a casual fan, show them this fight because this is going to be world-class MMA wrestling. And I do think it'll be an entertaining fight. 
fought at a really high pace and high level. It's just so great when you have a main event with the top two fighters in their respective division who are the best. They're just the best, and yeah. there's no doubt about it. Such a hard fight to pick. I've listened to other experts, and everyone's having it. This is one of the hardest fights to pick that I know we've ever done on this podcast. Right. Um, that said, um, we've already talked about how these are wrestlers. These are grinders. Um, you know, both are ranked number one and two in terms of takedowns per 15 minutes in the welterweight division. As you said, Colby's number one. Their takedown defense is stellar. Colby's at 78%. Usman never taken down in the UFC. Uh, in Usman's uh, 10 UFC fights, seven fighters, seven opponents didn't attempt any takedowns. In two fights, each fighter was 0 for 1. And then the Damian Maya fight. Maya, Damian Maya, one of the greatest grapplers ever. 0 for 15. Yeah. Colby fought, Colby fought Damian Maya. Maya was 0 for 13. Right. That's incredible. So, I mean, the takedown war which usually turns even hardcore fans off, some hardcore fans off sometimes, completely fascinates me. I can't wait to see what happens here. Um, you know, you talked about the potential for stoppages and finishes, so I won't go too deep into that. Um, it's going to be a fight that's going to be a, a, an entertaining, grinded-out fight. And what I really think it comes down to ultimately is each guy's on a tear. They have great momentum. It's an incredible matchup, but I'm not sure that there's a fighter in the UFC who puts the pace on their opponents better than Colby Covington. Um, You don't have to like him personally. I don't. I know you do, but I respect him so much as a mixed martial artist because that guy is in shape. And I just don't think Usman's seen this pressure before. And because Colby's a guy who puts the pressure on his opponents and, and pushes the pace like he does, I don't think he can face a pace that's going to bother him. I mean, Usman might bring to Colby the the, the, the toughest pace that Colby's faced, but I, yeah. I, I just think Colby's pace is better. And I think ultimately that's what's going to end up uh, being, you know, the deciding factor is Colby pushing the pace just a bit more, like you said, probably better stamina. And I do think it'll be a close decision. It might even be a split de- decision, but I think Colby Covington wins this belt and he's going to be a tough guy to beat. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think it's interesting that the possibility that maybe their wrestling cancels itself out. And then this is probably Usman's fight if it goes that way. Uh, because he, he definitely has, I would think, the striking advantage. Yeah. I mean, look, if they do stand up, Colby's going to stay busy as well, you yeah. know, like you said, against, you know, uh, against Lawler. So, you know, the guy, whatever the guy's doing, he pushes the pace, whether he's talking, whether he's punching, <laughs> whether he's, you know, taking people down. And I just, you know, Usman has got a good pace, but I think Colby Covington is next level. I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait. I, I hope it's five rounds of just great transitions and back and forth. And the beautiful thing that we haven't even really touched on is – not only are they the two best in their division, they generally don't like each other. Yeah. So another thing I'm looking forward to is what happens at the end of the fight. Do they do that thing where like, oh, let's hug it out, man? Or is I don't I don't think so. 
I, I'm gonna predict that too. Colby wins a fight. I don't even <laughs> think they're gonna. I don't even think they're gonna acknowledge each other. So um, I, th- I think they are. Man, I can't I, wait. I think they are. You think they will? Yeah, I, th- each I think they'll. I think they'll do the standard thing. Well, they'll hug each other and talk at the really? end. Really? Yeah. Okay. You're such a you're such a peaceful guy. <laughs> well, so with that, uh, we'll get out of here. Thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next time. See you guys. <laughs>